It's 6 a.m. Rise and shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Thursday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser and you're listening to the Thursday edition of The Grind. Excited to be in here as sports is is continuing to give us a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot to, to, to kind of grind on, a lot to kind of beat around. And on this Thursday edition it is no different. Uh, Rivalry Thursday uh, comes back tonight. We have the Thursday night NFL game, the Battle of Ohio maybe nobody's interested but anyway we'll talk about that a little bit nine days till it's football time in Tennessee so really uh, getting right down there uh, to single digits uh, always fun and kind of exciting to get to that point we'll talk about uh, the the basically all-time leading number nine that sits on the list today a, a lot of a lot of great vols actually probably one that that most people, uh, we'll remember as uh, Derek Barnett has not been gone from Tennessee very long, uh, but he is the all-time sacks leader at Tennessee, and he is also a Super Bowl champion. So uh, talk about Mr. Barnett a little bit. Um, then we're going to talk about the Big Ten. Uh, they say they want to play football. Well, good. That's a, that's a positive moving forward. Uh, kind of leaves the Pac-12 out in the cold. We'll talk about some of the things they said yesterday that uh, quickly – got disputed and got beat around and so we'll talk about how they're they're kind of clinging a little bit uh to uh, either being the only guy left outside or uh, trying to get in late so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit and then Peyton Manning uh is on the 2021 way too early uh NFL Hall of Fame ballot we'll talk about some other guys that are on that list with him uh a guy that we obviously can't separate from Peyton Manning uh in in Mr. Woodson um, we'll kind of talk about that. And just really, is there any doubt, is there any chance that Peyton's not a first ballot guy? I, I don't think so. So we'll talk about that uh, as we move forward. But but really just want to open up with the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten is uh, – I don't know what you want to say about the Big Ten. Like, in, in my mind, <laughs> the only thing keeping them from playing football for the last month and a half has been the Big Ten. Just point blank. That's my opinion. Um, Big Ten officials have come out, and you know there, there's been known uh, kind of flaws in their their data that they use to to shut it down. Uh, but but after a lot of conversation, after a lot of of gnashing of teeth, uh, you know Ohio State basically leading a charge with Nebraska uh, to get football back uh, yesterday. They actually announced that at the weekend of October the twenty fourth will be the Big Ten's kickoff weekend. Uh, Adam Rittenberg, Heather Denich, uh drops an article last night that kind of details that. Basically, the presidents and chancellors unanimously voted to resume competition Tuesday night, citing daily testing capabilities and a stronger confidence in the latest medical information. The conference uh, announced the uh, the conference uh, announced this Wednesday. Uh, each team will attempt to play eight games in eight weeks leaving no wiggle room during the coronavirus pandemic before the Big Ten championship game scheduled 
for December the 19th. That date will also feature an extra cross-division game for each school with seeded teams in each division squaring off. Uh, The Big Ten uh, would complete its season before the December 20th selection day for the CFP college football playoff. Uh, Penn State Athletic Director Sandy Barber said the Big Ten has agreed to have no fans attending football games this season, which will be held on campus throughout the season. Uh, The league is working on a plan to allow families of players and staff to attend both home and away games. Uh, Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez said the schedule will be released later this week. He said the two-division crossover games for each team still must be determined. Uh, Great news today. Over the past month, I could sense the anticipation from our players and coaches, and I'm thrilled on their behalf uh, that they will have a chance to play a 2020 season. Stay positive. Test negative. Let's play football, said Jim Harbaugh, head coach at Michigan, uh, Wednesday as he prepared a statement. I think, uh, you you know, Jim Harbaugh's probably got to beat the the love-hate relationship here. He's got to feel good that they're going to play football because maybe it gives them an opportunity uh, for him to dig himself out of a hole that he's dug not being able to beat beat Ohio State. But at the same rate, he's like, probably got to play them. I'm going to have to play Ohio State. It's going to happen again. And it's going to be limited because I'm going to be dinged up with with probably protocol players. Uh, He's going to be dinged up with protocol players. I don't know. I don't know. I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're kind of loving to hate this. Uh, I mean, just be quite honest with you. The Big Ten on August the 11th initially postponed its fall sports season, uh, including football, because of the concern of the coronavirus. Uh, the president's chancellors voted 11-3 to to postpone Nebraska, Ohio State, and Iowa, electing to go ahead and play football. Uh, league bylaws required at least 60% to approve a return. Um, following the postponement, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren formed a return to competition task force, uh, which the past weekend presented to presidents and chancellors a, a very, a very uh, detailed schedule that had daily testing, enhanced cardiac screening, and data-driven uh, approach to making decisions. Yeah, because that, that's what's got us here in the first place, is, is data-driven. The thing is, they need quality data-driven uh, d- to get competition going. The Big Ten's daily testing program will begin September the 30th on all 14 campuses. Test results must be completed and recorded prior to each practice or game and student-athletes who test positive for the virus through point-of-contact daily testing would require a uh, PCR uh, test, which is polymerase chain reaction. Not sure what that means. To confirm the results of the daily test. Uh, each Big Ten team will, be, will designate a chief infection officer to report data after testing to the league, which will make decisions about practice and competition based on team positivity rate and population positivity rate so again league will have their hand in each team's decisions Uh, football players who test positive for COVID-19 must wait at least 21 days to return to competition they will undergo comprehensive cardiac testing before being cleared by a cardiologist uh, designated by each university uh, primarily for that purpose Uh, Concerns about myocarditis and inflammation of the heart muscle um, 
significantly contributed to the Big Ten's initial decision to postpone the fall football season. That's interesting that they say that, considering that uh, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I that had not been reported uh, early on, especially around the same time that they postponed the season. But, you know, whatever they got to tell themselves. Um, I, I think there was a, a level of let's get ahead of this thing, let's be the first to, to cancel because everybody's going to do it. And then three conferences of the five didn't do it. So, uh, anyway, that's just my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, the Big Ten will use a color-coded system, green, orange, and red, for both team positivity rates and population positivity rates. If the team's positivity rate exceeds 5% of the population's positivity rate, uh, then they, they must pause practice and competition for at least seven days. If the team's positive rate is between 2 and 5% or the population positivity rate is between 3.5 and 7.5, the team must proceed with caution and enhance COVID-19 prevention. I just don't know that we're in a time of day that we should ever stop COVID-19 prevention. You know, it's kind of that spare tire treatment. You'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Um, but but anyway, um, they, they know better than I, looks like, or at least that's what they're telling their self. Um, everyone associated with the Big Ten, this is a, this is a statement uh, by Jim Borcher, head team physician at Ohio State, said everyone associated with the Big Ten should be very proud of the groundbreaking steps that are now being taken to better protect the health and safety of the student athletes and surrounding communities. Again, Jim Borcher's head team physician at Ohio State and co-chair of that return to competition task force. Uh, he also said, the data we're going to collect from testing and cardiac registry will provide major contribution for all 14 Big Ten institutions as they study COVID-19 in and attempt to mitigate the spread of the disease among wider communities. Borcher said the testing plan is similar to that of the Pac-12, but neither Borcher nor Warren would answer specifically where the tests are coming from or how much they will cost. Warren said daily testing will be available to all Big Ten fall sport athletes. He said, we're trying to rapidly identify anyone that may have the virus and immediately remove them from their population. Uh, just like everything in medicine, it's not like we invented this, but we investigated it and feel very comfortable with that approach moving forward. And we know that if we can test daily with rapid testing in small populations, we're likely to reduce infectious um, spread inside practice and game competition. Um, we can never say 100%, but we feel very confident that there, that with that approach, we'll be able to make our practice and competition environment as risk-free as possible in, in this testing approach. All Big Ten presidents uh, heard Sunday uh, from the medical subcommittee and then had their, their opportunity to think about uh, their vote moving forward. Uh, the other game changer was ensuring Big Ten school could conduct cardiac MRI screening uh, for that myocarditis. Uh, he said a few Big Ten schools had uh, some real challenges in trying to get cardiac MRIs, uh, which were critical in determining some of that impact. Uh, eight, eight Nebraska players filed a lawsuit against the Big Ten seeking to invalidate the postponement of fall football, and then and then President Trump jumped in uh, and and, and kind of helped uh, make some ways for daily testing and do some things to, to open some eyes uh, for um, testing protocol. But yesterday, uh, Donald Trump, Pre President Donald Trump, uh, tweeted, great news, Big Ten football is back, 
all teams to participate. Thanks to the players, coaches, parents, and all school reps. Uh, have a fantastic season. It was my great honor to have helped. So, again, Barry Alvarez confirmed it, said he talked to the commissioner. Uh, one of the things he did was make saliva tests available and show how returning to football in the Big Ten was important to him. Uh, how much of a factor he was, I, I think he drew attention to Big Ten football and brought a solution to the table. Uh, I think that's a clean way uh, to say, uh, you know, what what had happened there. Uh, I think a lot of people could have had a, a, a more negative look at that uh, option. Uh, that just seems to be the way way of the world right now. But the Pac-12 uh, also postponed its football season August 11th and have not announced plans to get it back. But now they stand alone as four of the Power Five football conferences have made a way uh, to play some football. The Pac-12 sits waiting on how, uh, how and if they're going to execute any kind of football here in 2020. Uh, Commissioner Larry Scott said in a statement Wednesday uh, that the universities in California and Oregon do not have approval from public health officials to start contact practice and that their contact monitor in their conference is monitoring the fires and air quality in their region. Uh, that has since had, a, had an answer to it, and we'll talk about that on the flip side of the break. Does Pac-12 football happen? Do they look, get left out in the cold? And what are some repercussions should they not hook in and play? I think that's a big question to talk about and a big thing we can answer. We'll do so on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind right here, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948. Or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. El Jimador Mexican Grill. Authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimador offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040 and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Jimador Mexican Grill. Located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimador Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. The Tennessee Secretary of State encourages Tennesseans to serve as poll officials for the November 3rd state and federal general election. 
Most Tennesseans are eligible to work as poll officials regardless of political affiliation. For the latest information on the November 3rd election, call area code 615-253-2668. Are you looking to buy or sell a home in East Tennessee and want a realtor with the experience and integrity you deserve? Then call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates. The market is hot and interest rates are still the lowest they have ever been. Take advantage now by calling Tressa Lequire, 865-221-5610. That's 865-221-5610. With 10 years of experience in our local area, Tressa Lequire appreciates all Blount County manufacturing employees and will work to get you the best deal and experience possible. Call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates, 865-221-5610. And let Tressa take your real estate dreams from the kitchen table to the closing table. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Thursday edition of The Grind. As we said in the first segment, the Big Ten will play football uh, this fall. What that's going to look like, we'll, we'll have to see. And again, the fallout of, of a positive test uh, could lead to three weeks of exit for for a football player. Uh, but we'll see what, uh, you know, what, uh, what we've got going now. And, uh, and ultimately, uh, see what happens over the next few weeks. October 24th when that's going to kick off for the Big Ten. And, and that's about three or four weeks later uh, than, than uh, the SEC is going to play, but they are going to play two less weeks. So in the grand scheme, it's a two-week gap. Uh, so again, from a college football playoff, looks like they've shortened their season to, to kind of level up. Uh, now, now if, I'm, if I'm the ACC and the SEC, I'm, I'm going to – at the end of the the schedule, if you will, there would be questions on my part of, okay, I played ten games and I'm eight and two. They played eight games and they're eight and zero. Oh. Who's better? I mean, I think I think it's a fair point. Uh, I think it's a good good discussion to have. I mean, you know, who are those eight games against? I mean. In most cases, it's going to be conference only. Maybe the ACC Big Twelve kind of has that plus one, but I think it's a, it's a questionable it's a question to to definitely be answered, and then and then really, one question that needs to be answered is is okay. You've got an eleven and zero uh, Clemson. Let's just say 
playing a playing an eight no Ohio State. Let's just throw that out there. So there's three more games of wear and tear, a month more wear and tear of, of practice on that ACC school. Is there an asterisk that needs to be put on something if a Big Ten team wins? I don't know. I, I just I'm an apples to apples kind of guy when it comes to football. You play twelve games, I play twelve games. That's how that works. So I don't I don't know how they're gonna and and I think as the season progresses and we see some things shaping up, some of these things will work themselves out and some of these things will work themselves right into a conversation. But but I, I I don't see how it's not a weird situation because everybody's got a different schedule. Everybody's got ten games, eleven games, what have you. I think consistency across the board was needed and probably didn't happen. Uh, but but one thing that still hasn't happened is Pac-12 football. Uh, that They will have to, to kind of drop back and punt. Yesterday, I think they kind of knee-jerked, answered a question and said, oh, we can't practice. We, we've got to get governor approval from California and Oregon. And those uh, those governors came out and said, no, you don't. You you don't need me to tell you that you can practice. You need me to tell you you can play, but you do not need me to tell you you can practice. And so uh, a little bit of, uh, I, I don't know if you want to say problems, but uh, a little bit of, that's concerning. Uh, let's just put it that way. It's concerning that they, uh, they seem that disjointed uh, about playing football. I really don't think, I don't think the Pac-12 wants to play, just honestly. You don't see any like real big player coalitions starting up in the Pac-12. I think they're cool. They're just going to hang out, you know, kind of beat you up, uh, be college students, and then and then try again next year. I, I I don't think they're they're I don't think their efforts are the same as as East Coast and and in the South. Uh, I just I just don't think it's there, and maybe it's because that's the farthest point from me. Uh, maybe that's why I think they don't want it. But uh, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, actions speak louder than words, and I don't see them acting. So I'm going to say uh, Pac-12 is they're in a little bit of a pickle from a from a money standpoint now because uh, TV money is going to go around pretty nice, but it's going to be hard for anybody to swallow the Pac-12 getting much of that pie when they're not putting a product out. So uh, I don't know what that means for for Commissioner Larry Scott. Uh, what that means in in a in a situation for the Pac-12, but at this point. Uh, with them on the surface and, and with, with his comments from yesterday, uh, they haven't really started that return to work kind of, kind of discussion. So if that's the situation, that's where they sit. Uh, the PAC 12 is in a bigger pickle, uh, than, uh, than they would like to lead on. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out in the coming weeks if they, they choose to, to go that route and just stay out, uh, or if they make a, a point, uh, to try to get back in and what that necessarily looks like. So I think that'll be the next coming days, what we uh, what we push for, what we hope for, and uh, and then look ahead uh, to uh, that dynamic to see if uh, if the Pac-12 follows suit and gets something going uh, in a chance to, to play football. But, uh, you know, another thing going on, you know, as, as college football is kind of on the cusp and we're excited about what that's going to look like, uh, the, another thing – that we really need to hope hope uh, is is very good, and that's uh that's that's this week's games. Uh, I think college and 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 high school sports are uh, are upon us, and when we really look at, across the the landscape, uh, you know I think we look ahead. We're nine days till it's football time in Tennessee, 
Uh, but we've been rolling. Uh, this is week five uh, of the high school season. And so really, uh, I think if, if nothing else, and, and I'm going to say this and, and really in a hopeful manner, but uh, I, think, I think Tennessee high schools have, have shown how you can do it. Uh, yeah, you may have bumps in the road, i.e. Maryville's opponent this week, Bearden. They had to shut down for the first two weeks, uh, but they've gotten back and, and they're about to play in their third game uh, come Friday night. So uh, I think it's recoverable, and, uh, and, and again, I think it's shown uh, that it is possible. I do think the, the Big Ten has backed themselves into a corner and put themselves in a spot to where you, you know, you kind of have to, you kind of have to, uh, uh, you've got to be perfect for eight weeks. Uh, I don't know how, how attainable that is, uh, but we're going to find out. But we'll, we'll see how they do. But uh, tonight, let's, let's kind of switch gears. Tonight, we have high school football, we have NFL football uh, on the docket. Um, the high school level games uh, locally, uh, there's only one game, and that's the rivalry Thursday game. Oak Ridge at 2 and 2 heads to 4 and 0. Knox West, Lamar Brown's Rebels uh, are, are off to a great start again. Uh, last year, I think, was their first 5-0 and start in school history. And they have an opportunity to do that again. Uh, Oak Ridge is one of those teams uh, that, that they're probably not as, as, uh, as good as they have been in the past, but they're always a tough-nosed football team. Uh, they beat Hardin Valley 40 to nothing. Uh, fell to Dobbins-Bennett 19-3. to Campbell County... Uh, Oak Ridge got them 42 to nothing, and then they fell to Farragut 45 to 25. So it looks like when they're hot, they're hot. And as the song would say, when they're not, they're not. Uh, 42 and 40 to nothing in their wins, but giving up a lot of points in their losses. Uh, if the trajectory seems right, you would want to go with, uh, with, with Oak Ridge as they've won, lost, won, and then lost. So according to, to trends, they're on the uptick. They should win this week. But I don't know that I take that on the road at a 4-0 Knox West team. Knox West on their way uh, to 4-0. Here's who they've beaten, uh, those four teams. Bearden, uh, again, was a COVID win, but a win nonetheless. Uh, Farragut on rivalry Thursday, 30-7. That's a common opponent for the two. Uh, of course, Farragut, 45-25 winners over Oak Ridge, 30-7 losers uh, to 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 Knox West, um, Carnes forty four to nothing win, and Jefferson County forty two to nothing win. So this team's allowed seven points all season in four straight wins. Uh, I don't see a way uh, that that Oak Ridge comes in and takes one away from from Knox West. Uh, weirder things have happened. I think rivalry Thursday has produced some really good matchups. Uh, but I, I don't think this is going to be good if you're an Oak Ridge fan. Uh, I think this is going to be all Knox West. I think it's going to be a double-digit Knox West win, uh, and, and I think uh, I think Lamar Brown uh, notches that second 5-0 and start in program history uh, after tonight. Uh, looking ahead uh, a little bit to Friday, because, again, that's the only local game uh, on the docket. We'll talk a lot more about next uh, the, the Friday games tomorrow. Uh, but if you look ahead, there's some good matchups uh, to be had for for our local schools. Of course, Maryville travels to Bearden. It will be their first road game of the season. Uh, again, we will talk to Coach Hunt pregame at 6:30, and you'll be able to hear his uh, his take on what they they got out of the Alcoa game, and then how they move forward uh, to get ready for uh, for Bearden this week. 
Um, again, because Bearden is a is a dynamic that we'll talk about tomorrow. But they've uh, they've been on the road the first two weeks of their season at Bradley and at Dobbins Bennett, maybe the most traveled uh, football team in East Tennessee. Uh, but but again, Maryville has Bearden. Uh, trying to find out down through here, uh, kind of some good games to talk about. Cleveland uh, will come to Heritage. Uh, Cleveland two and two. Uh, Heritage one and three. Uh, again, so uh, a good one to watch there. Uh, Alcoa is at Pigeon Forge. Three and one. Alcoa looks to come off of a loss for the first time of the season and take that out on the Pigeon Forge Panthers. Uh, I think it's going to be a huge uh, Alcoa win. I mean, after. After last year's game against Maryville, I don't think Alcoa allowed a point for about six weeks. So, uh, again, that's something to watch. And then McMinn County at 3-0 and uh, heads to William Blunt 2-2. Two and two. Uh, William Blunt has been up and down. Uh, and, again, uh, hopefully this week they are more up than they are down. Uh, McMinn County coming in undefeated, a region game to be had. Uh, and, again, we'll see how that shakes out. But the uh, – the college games, let's let's see if uh, there's any college games on the docket for tonight. Uh, let's check it out. There should be a college game tonight. My computer is not wanting to uh, to respond very well. I do know there's the Battle of Ohio tonight. Let's let's kind of jump to that. Is that is that something anybody's worried about? The Browns and the Bengals on Thursday night football. I would argue that this may be the most un watched um game of the of the year i say that well unless you live in the state of in the state of uh, ohio they call it the battle for ohio and that's cool it is what it is but uh, joe burrow uh had his first victory taken away from him by by a lot of different things um by a aj green push off by um Missed field goal that could have pushed overtime, et cetera, et cetera. But nonetheless, they very much mingled that first uh, that that first week of the season. Uh, so he has an opportunity to redeem himself in that in that regard. Uh, have a little bit better day and and maybe remove some doubt. Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, the Browns' first overall pick a couple years ago, uh, has the opportunity to get himself out of an zero one hole. So a battle of unwinning football teams to take it out on Thursday night. The Bengals at the Browns. Uh, Cleveland is favored by six in this matchup. 43 and a half is the over and under. Uh, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not a I'm not a gambling man, so again, if you, if you are, don't take my advice, uh, but I don't think there's any way these teams get to 43 and a half. I just don't. I don't, and, and, and again, I got some people that, that would say maybe otherwise, but I just think Joe Burrow, uh, his his season stats uh, last week were 193 and an interception. Uh, Kareem Hunt has 72 yards. Jarvis Landry has 61. And those are the leaders in this matchup, none of which have a touchdown. Let that resonate a little bit. Now, they they scored some points, but I, I'm just saying, like, the onesie-twosies, it's, it's going to be hard. I, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think this is going to be something like – you know, twenty-four to ten, or or you know, you know, seventeen to seven, or or something like that. I I just I think the first week of basically everybody scoring within the first the Browns win and cover. You like that, do you? Uh, one of one of our good listeners, Mister Ward, says Browns win and cover. Uh, I would I would go with that. I don't think that uh, the Bengals are that good. That's why you have the number one draft pick. Uh, I think they have more tools in the cupboard. I think. 
the the receiving core, the running backs, everything at Cleveland is more tooled to win a game. The problem is is it's it's that execution side that always seems to bite the Browns. That's why they roll through coaches about like they changed their uniform combination, which by the way probably needs another look. But uh, the Bengals, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the stat is for for you know because it was funny last week. It was. Oh, if he does this, he's the first quarterback ever to do this in his first game, and, and he's going to be the first one to start 1-0. and Well, that didn't happen. But he, he it's all this different stuff. I wonder if, if they're going to just continue to do this till he wins. Like, oh, he if he does this, he'll be the first quarterback since 2016, this guy that nobody's ever heard of, that did this this day. He's the only guy to win his first football game on a Thursday. I'm waiting for that one to come out. But I don't know. I, I just I'm like NFL. Come on, man. This is this is this is cookie cutter Sunday one o'clock game. This is cookie cutter. Don't put me on primetime game. But I guess I guess in the effort of fairness, uh, you have two Heisman Trophy winners. You have two number one overall draft picks, and you have me that obviously doesn't respect either one of those <laughs> so uh anyway Bengals and the browns uh tonight's matchup again cleveland by six uh over and under 43 and a half and and mr ward goes with the brownies goes with baker mayfield and uh and and the uh jarvis landry kareem hunt that that dynamic over uh the Bengals and joe burrow and aj green uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Actually, I think Joe Burrow had a lot of poise in his first game. I, I'm giving both these teams a lot of slack, but uh, I thought Joe Burrow um, in his first outing, I mean, you could understand that the game got a little quick for him at times, but I thought he showed a lot of good poise and uh, and quite frankly didn't look like the moment was too big for him starting in his first game, his first season. I mean, even you know, even the, even the greats, if you go back and look, uh, had some struggles there in their first week of the season. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's a that's a huge deal, but I do think it is a deal uh, because there's some uh, there's some fun to be had. But the game will be played in Cleveland, uh, in Ohio, First Energy Stadium. Uh, again, tickets as low as $134, it says, which they're only allowing 6,000 people in the stands. I would think it's probably physically sold out, but you'll have to go to these uh, these third-party outlets to get any of those uh, those remaining tickets. But you know what? Uh, one thing you don't have to have a ticket for is segment number three right here on The Grind. Let's take us a break, listen to these fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to continue to grind on Thursday edition as we hitch ever closer uh, to nine days until it's football time in Tennessee. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jeremy Pruitt's media availability, things he talked about in COVID protocol, and how uh, he's getting ready to play some football. Uh, I, I like his demeanor. I like what he says, and we'll talk about it on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be back. You don't want to miss it.
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Are you looking to buy or sell a home in East Tennessee and want a realtor with the experience and integrity you deserve? Then call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates. The market is hot and interest rates are still the lowest they have ever been. Take advantage now by calling Tressa Lequire, 865-221-5610. That's 865-221-5610. With 10 years of experience in our local area, Tressa Lequire appreciates all Blount County manufacturing employees and will work to get you the best deal and experience possible. Call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates, 865-221-5610, and let Tressa take your real estate dreams from the kitchen table to the closing table. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Your voice. Your vote. In our democracy, they matter and make our community and our country stronger. So make yours count. Get registered. Learn the issues, know the candidates, and vote by or on November 3rd. Visit vote411.org for registration and election information. This message is furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey, and I am running for re-election to represent District 20 in the Tennessee State Legislature. It has been an honor to represent the interest of Blount County in Nashville. The history and development of our community are at the forefront of the decision I am asked to make in the legislature. Throughout my years of service, your calls, emails, and letters have played a large part in the decisions I have made. With your dedicated civil engagement and insight, I have continued to introduce support and pass legislation you have asked for resulting in growth and progress. There is still much to be done, especially in these unprecedented times before us. Proven leadership and know-how is imperative as we address the difficult issues that lay ahead. When I say your choice for your voice, that means I will continue to fight for your choices. I have yet to waver in my commitment to speak for all of Blount County the best way I know how. I thank you and appreciate your support as we continue to move Blount County forward. I'm Bob Ramsey and I approve this message. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com.
Com. Got something you're grinding on? Give us a call at 865-983-4310. Now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser. 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Thursday edition of The Grind. As we as we go full orange the next two segments, uh, we'll probably stay right here until the end. I'm uh, going to talk about Jeremy Pruitt's Vol Calls interview there last night. Again, it was very... Uh, it was not the same uh, in-studio, on-site kind of interview, but nonetheless, Jeremy Pruitt talks to Vol Calls there last night, uh, talks to Bob, and, and really has a really good uh, – I, I think he answered some questions very honestly, very clearly, and I, and I like what he said moving forward. On, on some questions that he answered, uh, comfort of getting to play a season and nearing kickoff, he said, you know – well, I think it's the it's great for everybody in our program to have a chance to get, go compete and play against very well-coached football teams. He said, I know that's the time, uh, that the times are certainly a little different uh, than, than most of us are used to, but our players are working hard to make the most of it. Uh, on the current situation, Jeremy Pruitt said, obviously the circumstances change day to day. Uh, they have been since March, uh, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be a problem solver. And he said he appreciates the work of the administration at Tennessee, uh, Chancellor Plowman, Coach Philip Fulmer, uh, athletic director, and everybody associated with the university. Uh, continues to be positive in trying to, to find a way uh, so we can actually put a product out on the field. Uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was very telling uh, when he said, y- y- you know, when all this happened, we didn't we didn't sit back and say, oh, woe is me. Uh, and this is paraphrasing, but he said we had to find a way. He said that when you lead, you you don't just say, "Oh, we're you know we can't do this," you know, COVID. He said we had to find a way. We had to we had to really dig dig deep and think about how could this work and, and present present some options. Um, and then when he was th- he was asked the question about difficulty uh, from an organizational standpoint to get enough players available for practice, he said obviously. Uh, we have a lot of guys that's missed practice days. He said, I, I, I've said it numerous times, uh, it's been a lot. Uh, the only way you can get better at, at really anything is do it over and over, and we've not had the luxury to do that during this fall camp. But our kids stay positive, uh, our coaches stay positive, and we've been able to create, uh, be creative in how they practice, try to make the most of our opportunities. Uh, but he said, hopefully we'll get some guys back here in the next week and we'll have a chance to play well uh, next Saturday. Uh, you got to ask the question if death will be a bigger issue this season than any other he's coached. Uh, he said over the last couple of years, we've not had a whole lot of depth at any position. Uh, so, we, so we have some now, he said. But with the circumstances, not all of them have the opportunity to learn and grow and mature as college players should at this point in time. Uh, but the kids are working hard. They're staying positive, And I feel like we have three or four really good weeks of practice with good energy uh, as the guys focus on trying to get things done. But he said, again, until you get out there and play, especially for some of these younger guys, uh, we don't know exactly uh, where they stand on that development. Uh, on the SEC you know, situation and standings of being steadfast that uh, 2020 will be played, 
this is where he, he gets into his leadership, uh, you know, kind of standpoint. He said, when you go all the way back to March, when when circumstances really changed, uh, there's not a lot of history, uh, obviously, on COVID-19. Definitely playing football in something like this is uh, nobody has a, a method for that. Uh, he said, so you're trying to gather as much information as possible. Uh, and he said, it's, it's our jobs being in leadership positions to find a way and not just to throw our hands up and say, we can't do this. That's what we've been doing. I think that's a strong statement. Uh, I think when you look at the Pac-12, they definitely did. They threw their hands up and said, I didn't know what to do. Uh, and if they like to change my opinion on that, uh, all they've got to do is, uh, is figure out a way to play. Uh, and some people may, may have a different opinion on that, and, and that's very much uh, entitled. But I will say uh, I, I just don't understand it. I, I think there's, there's methods to, to mitigate the risk. Uh, on how Jeremy Pruitt has gauged his team a week and a half away from a season opener, uh, he, said, they said, he said, do you think they're good enough? Uh, that's, that was the question for Bob. And he, he, said, he said, well, Bob, he said, I think you know me good enough. Uh, you know we're never going to be where I want to be uh, right now, but based on the circumstances, uh, I've been excited about our players and their attitudes, their work ethics, and I know some of them are frustrated because of the lack of opportunities to practice, uh, but it's the circumstances we've been given. You're always going to have adversity each year, and we've got to figure out a way to overcome it here in 2020. Um, Bob asked uh, uh, what he liked about his team on the practice field so far, and he said they've been very competitive. Uh, there's some experience coming back. The guys have really tried to do what we've asked them to do. But he said, for the coaches, uh, I'm sure it's been a lot easier for us to handle these circumstances than for the players. He said, it's just the game of football was not made to practice one out of every seven days. Uh, he said, you have to create the right habits. You have to do things over and over. Uh, and you got to be accustomed to being in football shape. And he said, if you're a guy that handles the ball, uh, you need to have one in your hands. He said just the fundamentals of blocking and tackling to get all together is something that you have to, to have reps on to be very good at. He said so there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm sure uh, have been frustrating for the players, uh, but they continue to work hard and we continue to find a way. Um, you, they ask if contact during practice has been a concern because there's been a lot of people absent. He said for, for some guys they've had plenty. Uh, there's been a lot of pra- a lot of contact in practice. He said, but there's some that have missed a lot of time based on contact tracing. And uh, he said, uh, you know, striking blockers, getting off blocks, some of those things have have not gotten the reps he would like them to have. He said, so absolutely, there's going to be a little rust if as uh, as we get some of these guys back. Uh, but it, it is what it is. And as a coaching staff, we've tried to, to make uh, concessions for that as well as continue to try to find uh, different ways to do things, simulate opportunities and uh, – and uh, and get them ready to be to be good to go uh, next Saturday. Um, uh, on quarterback Jared Garantano, he said, "I feel like Jared really has improved every day. Uh, he continues to have a better understanding of what Jim wants, Jim Chaney, that is, uh, and what he wants to do offensively. Again, the big thing for me as a quarterback for the quarterback position is how do you impact the people around you? Uh, you talk about the other ten guys on the field take care of the football." And he's working hard to eliminate mistakes. Uh, on on Henry Toho, Toho uh, he needs to be the signal caller. I think that's a foregone conclusion, but he actually uh, uh, kind of nailed that down there. said uh, he needs to be the signal caller, the, the quarterback of the defense. Uh, he said you can see that that he's in the second year of the system. He's very, very familiar. 
Uh, he's a guy that goes and trains every single day to be the best he can be, whether that's in the classroom, weight room, or the football field. Uh, he's almost like an extended coach. He's always up, and uh, he had, if he has free time, he's studying film and trying to find out a way to be better. Uh, he said uh, uh, on To'o To'o's uh, maturity level, he said, I think that goes back to his family. Uh, and he talks about his, his father and mother and just the background and accountability he grew up in. Uh, played at De La Salle High School, a lot of accountability to be had there. And he said when he got here, he was used to working. And he used to be, uh, he's used to being held accountable and very dependable. And, and that kind of shows through. Um, I'm trying to, it says, uh, on if, if Jeremy Pruitt has had to develop more patience to get through this situation. I thought that was a really good question and kind of funny. Because Jeremy Pruitt, he is kind of a no-nonsense guy and kind of gets after it. Uh, he said, well, Bob, I kind of consider myself a very patient man. Just ask Casey. Slot pause. Kind of Bob kind of chuckled at it. Uh, we knew that we were getting into what we started this when we started this deal. So our number one priority has been to maintain the safety of everyone in our organization. He said he he, he talked about he feels like Dr. Clink and Geronimo uh, have, have done an outstanding job uh, doing that, educating our players, our staff, and our parents. And he said, we're really focused on that. Football has really kind of been the second deal. And he said, when we have the opportunity to do it, uh, we've done it as hard and fast as we can. But he said, you know, we're, we're continuing to focus on the safety and then kind of letting football come as it go, come as it will. Um, talking about South Carolina prep, and, and again, he was very, very kind of limited in, in the fact that I think game week will tell a lot more about what you're going to see. But he said, uh, he said, you do a lot of off-season studies and looking at personnel, but he said South Carolina, uh, I, I think, was uh, was originally game five, and now it's moved to the opening date. Uh, and, and he said, so there's a lot of unknowns there. He said, Mike Bobo being new to the system, he said, I've worked with him before, uh, and he's one of the better offensive coordinators in the country. He said, it'll definitely be a challenge for us to be able to handle uh, what they're going to throw at us offensively. Uh, and then Coach, Coach Muschamp on the defensive side, very very well coached on defense, and he said they have a talented roster. Uh, and, and he, of course, gave the coach answer, it will be a very big challenge uh, for us. And, and, and I think, and again, this article coming from Go Vols 24-7, uh, that is a Knoxville News Sentinel affiliate. But I think all of what he said is good to hear. Uh and, and and this is coming from a fan, coming from a guy who hopes he's a good dude, and uh, and and just basically, is this who you wanted leading your football program at this time uh, in, in this rough unknown situation? And I and I'm I'm answering yeah, I, I think absolutely, I think he's went with it with the uh, the the right mindset. He's not full steam ahead. I want football. I don't care if you're healthy. He he's had to deal with this. He's had to deal with the the social issues that's come up, and I, and honestly, uh, I don't know what he's doing in the locker room, but I'll say on, on camera and and how he's he's choosing how he he supports his players. Uh, this cat's got it. I mean, he he understands. He's a he's a players' coach. He may not give us the the prettiest answer or the 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 longest soundbite that you can ask for. Uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, I think his players want to play for him. And I think this offseason he may have developed uh, relationships with this very team uh, that, that's going to be huge um, 
you know, moving across. So uh, I think if you uh, if you look if you look up and down this roster, there's a lot of talent on this team. Now, whether given COVID protocol, we're going to be able to get them all uh, on the field at the same time. I think that's a dynamic that that is still yet to be seen. But I'm excited to see what what happens, and I'm excited to see. Uh, if if this thing gets underway. But, uh, you know, talking about getting it underway, we're nine days until it's football time in Tennessee. Nine days until Tennessee locks horns with South Carolina, and nine is the, is the countdown number we'll have today. Uh, like certain numbers, nine has not been worn by many uh, as, as far as on Rocky Top, but however – um, it has been worn by one player that will not soon be forgotten. Uh, one of the top defensive players in Tennessee history, Derek Barnett, who was feared by opposing quarterbacks, uh, won a Super Bowl in his rookie season and is now continuing to play uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. He rocked the number nine in his time uh, at Tennessee. All-time balls to wear number nine, uh, Chick McGeehan, uh, wore it 1967. That was actually the first number nine on, on record. Uh, George Hunt. 68 to 71, Jim Gaylor, uh, 75 through 77, Mitch Sims, 79 through 81, Mark Hogan, 82, 83, Vince Carter, uh, not that Vince Carter, 84 and 86, which again, at, at his age, I think he could play at any time. Uh, Derek Folsom, 87 through 89, Orion McCants, 90, Steve Session, 92. I tell you, you knew when it was in session, I can say that. Tory Noel, 94 through 97. Kevin Taylor, 98. Josh Plemons, 97 through 2000. Steve Marsh, 99 through 2002. Brett Smith, 2004 through 6. Bram Cannon, 2008. Daryl Vereen, 2008 through 11. Sam uh, Campford, uh, 2012. Daniel Gray, 2012. Reggie Juin, 2013. Derek Barnett, 2014 through 16. Uh, Vaughn Pearson Ward on the offensive side during some of those years. Marquez Callaway uh, rocked it in 2016 only. Uh, Tim Jordan in uh, 2017 and 18. And Garrett Johnson in 2018. Your current uh, number nine on the football team is Jimmy Callaway and Tyler Barron, a linebacker and wide receiver, as you can have one on each side of the ball. Uh, Tyler Barron, linebacker, 6'5", 255 out of Knox Catholic High School. And then Jimmy Callaway, six foot, 190 pound freshman out of Morrow, Georgia, by way of Morrow High School. So the number nine has been a memorable one uh, for for Tennessee, and ultimately uh, moving forward into the NFL. As Derek Barnett is now 96, uh, but when he was a a pass rusher for Tennessee, uh, he did all but uh, dominate in some capacity. And honestly, I'll say this. We, I said the entire season that he broke uh, the sack record. If we had a different defense and, and had maybe a little bit more talent around him and maybe a better coach uh, on, the, on the defensive side, uh, he would have probably smashed uh, that defense. A lot of times we ran him around the edge and honestly ran him out of the play more than we ran him in. So uh, I think Derek Barnett did the best with what he had. I think in the situation that he was dealt while he was at Tennessee, uh, he had the opportunity to be good, uh, but just was held back a little bit from some of those great, great situations. I thought people were able to scheme against Mr. Barnett, and ultimately uh, he still got there. He's still the all-time sack leader, breaking Reggie White's record, so I don't think that's ever something to sneeze at. Uh, But uh, I tell you, you look back and say, you know, what, what would Derek Barnett have been under Jeremy Pruitt? What would Derek Barnett have been uh, with with a with a defensive line coach 
you know, insert name here. So uh, I think ifs and buts, you know, Johnny Majors called, if ifs and buts were cookies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. If uh, ifs and buts happened, Derek Barnett, you know, who knows? Uh, who knows what would have happened and, and how he would have been used and how successful he could have been because he was very, very successful as it were. But nine days till it's football time in Tennessee and nine days until Tennessee sees South Carolina. I tell you, uh, I'm interested in, in seeing what that's going to look like, how this season will progress, and ultimately, uh, you know, just, just what Tennessee is going to be able to put on the field because uh, I think COVID protocol is going to impact everybody differently. I think it's going to happen uh, in season uh, because these kids are going to have to go to class and do different things, and 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 they will have to be exposed at some level. Uh, so how do we adjust? I think is the bigger is the bigger story uh, moving forward. But I think moving forward is what has been 2020, and why change now? Uh, we're we're on the back tick of this thing. As as the mornings are cooler, the evenings are cooler, and it gets dark earlier. That spells football time. That spells fall. And uh, ultimately, uh, we wish the best uh, for everyone involved. But uh, again, to recap tonight's matchups, the games on the docket for tonight. I don't think there's any basketball tonight. So again, you can kind of press pause on your NBA watching. Uh, you can check out either Oak Ridge. And, uh, and and Knox West on Rivalry Thursday. Again, I think that's my VLT is the station that it's on. Again, check that out if you want some prep action uh, tonight. Or you can watch the battle for Ohio. The Cincinnati Bengals and number one overall pick Joe Burrow takes on number one overall pick from a couple years ago and Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield. Two, uh, two personalities to say the least. One has a national championship, one does not. Uh, but both of them sit uh, leading franchises that haven't smelled success in a long time and, uh, quite frankly, are pushing to do so. So, again, Joe Burrow 0-1 as a starter. Uh, Baker Mayfield has a couple years under his belt. How that shakes out and what they get done uh, is yet to be seen. So uh, I think that's something to watch. Again, uh, rivalry Thursday game to watch. And, again, tomorrow we will bang down uh, the, the Friday night games, the weekend of N- NFL, and then the opening of the Western Conference Finals, uh, and then some games for the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll have this weekend, listen to this, NBA, NHL, NFL, college football, high school football, and then any other any other sports you, you, you care to, to partake in. So, um uh, Sports is upon us. Uh, tomorrow we'll also talk. Uh, we were going to talk about it today and just ran out of time. Uh, Peyton Manning is on the way too early um, Hall of Fame list. Uh, is there any way he doesn't make the, the the first ballot Hall of Fame? Is there any way that he and Charles Woodson cannot be next to each other on the names? Uh, is there any way that they put their, their bust in different corners of the facility? But anyway, all of that will beat and bang around on tomorrow. Uh, on the Friday edition of The Grind. But I want to appreciate our sponsors. Uh, Again, I don't do that enough, I think, but uh, I try to get it out there as much as I can. The Party Pub, uh, Mortgage Investors Group of Maryville, uh, Bob Ramsey for State Representative District 20, uh, paid for by the committee to elect Bob Ramsey, Bob Ramsey Treasurer, and, uh, again, Tressa Leakwire of Realty Executives Associates. Those are our great sponsors. Um, Those are just a few. Uh, We have a, a good amount. 
but again, want to appreciate those that make the grind possible each and every day. Again, unwavering support by a couple of those as they've been with me uh, from the beginning, and I, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. But again, if you want to, enjoy sports. It's there to be had, something we haven't been able to say for this year of 2020. But it's there tonight, Oak Ridge and Knox West and Cleveland versus Cincinnati in the NFL. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on.